0: Miracy. Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen, your host for Just Between Coaches, and I'm here with a special episode. You listen to Just Between Coaches because you want to become the best coach you can be. You want to bravely dive into those tough conversations that others might shy away from. We love supporting you in that deep dive and exploration. So that's why I thought you might be interested in a brand new show that just joined the Miracy FM podcast network. It's called Soul Savvy Business, and it's hosted by Katie Valentine. Soul Savvy Business explores the intersection of spirituality and business to help entrepreneurs leverage the potential of both. Most of you are not only coaches, you're also entrepreneurs, so I thought this might be right up your alley. To give you a taste of the show, I'm running an episode from that podcast right here in your feed. I chose this particular episode because the guest— Denicia Hilton-Harper talks about weaving spirituality through her journey of being a coach, a healer, and a business owner. I think you're really going to like it. Enjoy.
1: And then my journey transitioned where then I realized like, I don't really need to be associated religiously because I felt a spiritual expansion. So while I might say, yeah, I'm Christian right now, I really practice more spiritual in the sense that I study different religions. I actually find it quite fascinating that everybody's talking about the same thing.
2: Hello, I'm Katie Valentine, and you're listening to Soul Savvy Business. I am a soul-minded spiritual entrepreneur Christian minister, and New Testament scholar, but don't let any of that scare you. I support all paths to the divine, and I use tools like chakras, dreams, and intuition to get there. On this podcast, we explore the intersection of business and spirituality. What do I mean by that? Too often, we separate our business selves from our spiritual selves. But in doing that, we don't leverage the full potential of either one. This series aims to help you fall in love with your own soul so that you can live your most fulfilling and successful life. In modern Western medicine, there is a tendency to separate everything, separate the mind, the spirit, and emotions from the body, even to the point of separating the physical body from itself. A lot of Western medicine, or at least the experience of it, tends to specialize in parts rather than treating the whole. That's really a very new idea though. For the majority of our existence, the medicine man, the shaman, the priestess helped bridge the gap of the whole being, mind, body, and spirit. In many places and times, the doctor of the body and the doctor of the spirit were one and the same. This idea of separation also impacts business for most of us, but not for my guest today. She's a doctor who heals the whole self and has her patients and clients thriving and spreading the joy. I am so excited to talk about this unity among mind, body, spirit, and business. But first... In every episode, I offer a tip around abundance and your spiritual journey. As entrepreneurs, we all have to set goals and work towards milestones. This can involve a lot of number crunching and quarterly reports. You know, the stuff we usually think is kind of boring, even though it's super important. This is a little different though than setting an intention. An intention is something that we intend to come into our businesses or into our lives. And it's really simply a way to put a major feeling out there to the universe. So it needs to be really, really clear. For instance, I intend for five new clients to find their own magic within my coaching business. It's a lot different than maybe I could reach five new people if they're ready. Once we set our intentions, we can then decide on the action that follows to support them. And this is where the tip comes into play. The number one thing to avoid when working with your intentions are the words need or have to, something I hear people do a lot. For instance, I just need to post more on social media then my intention will come into being. But this is essentially telling the universe that you know there's something you should be doing, but you're just not doing it. Or I just have to send out more emails to my tribe and then I'll receive those clients. Eliminate those words from your vocabulary when setting and living out your intentions. Banish them. Don't let them cross your lips. Instead, say it, think it, feel it, write it with clarity. The five new clients are coming to me with ease and are finding their own magic. And then just do the thing that will affirm this intention. My guest today is lifelong educator, Dr. Denicia Hilton Harper. She has a practice as a doctor of oriental medicine. She's a spiritualist and she brings functional medicine to her practice and more. Denicia brings a variety of studies to practice in her business. And one of them is play. She offers online courses and coaching to women seeking personal alignment, helping them embrace their divine perfection and heal holistically. I got to know Denicia recently online and felt an instant connection, and she really had my heart when I learned that she makes her own teas. Y'all are in for a treat. Welcome to the show, Denicia. Hey, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, Denicia, did anything resonate with you about the tip that I offered on Abundance today about setting intentions and eliminating some of those weaker words? Oh, holy guacamole, yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: I was listening to you and I'm like, yeah. And I have like shaking my head. And that as if I was over there in church being like, hallelujah, amen. (laughs) It so resonated. And that's oftentimes it's those little words and that can just catch you or you might end up setting conditions based around like whatever it is that you're actually desiring. And then unintentionally. You would have set a condition as to what it is that has to be done, quote unquote, in order for that to come, when really it's just focusing simply on what is it that you desire. So like, I totally resonated with it.
2: Yeah, by the time the thoughts make it to our mouths and out into words, they've been present for a really long time. I love the way you phrase that setting conditions. Yeah. And so the more we can also reverse the process. So what we say can then become our thoughts and... Put them out there. Lovely. Lovely. One of the things that I ask every guest is what word or words do you use when referring to what you consider the divine? Oh, that's juicy. I
1: So the,
2: <laughs> the word that really came
1: to me was perfect or perfection, whichever one of those two. Say more. Uh, I, that is so intriguing. <laughs> so there's a little story behind it. Can I tell you? <laughs> oh, yeah. So a couple years ago, I just had this feeling of just constant reassessments of whatever it is that I'm doing in business. Right. And what I'm doing in business oftentimes is actually in response to what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing um, that then I ask, there's got to be something here that can actually help put things together because what I'm seeing is this constant like I got to fix myself or I got to repair this, or it's a way that I would see and hear a lot of women talking about themselves. And it just clicked to me one day. I'm like, this isn't healthy. Like this is not in a healing type of way. I mean, it's plastered on t-shirts, all of it. And I just started seeing, no, you're already whole. You're already complete. You're not broken, right? There's no fixing you. And I just kept Seeing perfects, and I started using perfects, and even I felt a little bit weird about seeing it because I grew up with it's a problem being a perfectionist or nobody is perfect but God, and and I'm like, you know, that's interesting that you say that because then I also learned that we were made in God's likeness. So how is it then that we're not perfect if God is perfect? And so I kind of went on this whole exploration internally. So I started seeing more and more of perfects coming up to me. Perfects coming out to me in Dr. Wayne Dyer's work or if it was Dr. Greg Braden's work. I'm seeing this. And then I had a conversation with a friend. She tells me, she's like, you know, I was a linguist. I study linguistics. I'm like, what? Like <laughs> linguistics. <laughs> and so she said the root meaning of perfect. Do you know what it is? And I said, no. She said it means whole and complete. Oh, and. Yeah, that reaction right there was mine. With my jaw dropped, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's "Are you beautiful? serious?" Yes. So she said, "What it seems like she's great at mirroring me, which I love, and reflecting things." And so she's like, "Yeah, what it seems like that's exactly what it is that you're seeing is that you're seeing people as they are, that they are whole and that they are complete as they are." And meanwhile, they're seeing the opposite. Then that is when. I just started using it more and more. And I took off on it, just saying,
2: no, you're perfect. No, nope, you're perfect. I'm going to totally start walking around the next couple of days saying, hey, perfect to the divine, to the mirror, to everything. That, that's gorgeous. I love that. Thank you so much. So you alluded a little bit to your own spiritual background as you were telling us about perfection. So tell us a little bit about your spirituality in your background and your upbringing. Yes. So I was actually
1: raised in a missionary Baptist church. I was an usher and we would go to church frequently. And then as I got older, I just really started wanting to explore myself. Like, what is this? And then I started reading the Bible more, trying to have my own, own understanding. And when I got to college, I was like, okay, got to find a church. And I found one Being a part of that church really helped me a lot. There were some things that I was questioning, like why is it that people would kind of use scripture whenever it was convenient and as if it was like a punishment or something like that. Like just a lot of those things that I was questioning and that pastor actually was really helpful. I remember him just talking to me one day after church because I just had all those questions (laughs) and for him to really sit with me and clarify a lot of that in the context that it was really written was so helpful for me. Um, and then my journey transitioned where then I realized I don't really need to be associated religiously because I felt a spiritual expansion. So while I might say, yeah, I'm Christian right now, I really practice more spiritual In the sense that I study different religions, I actually find it quite fascinating that everybody's talking about the same thing. They express it in different ways. And so I just think of spirituality as a way now that I'm connected to the divine where I don't necessarily have to have a label of a religion.
2: Lovely. Now I have to ask, did your Baptist church have really good potlucks?
1: When I think potluck, I think like everybody's bringing something, right? But there was always like a committee. Of people. Oh.
2: so you <laughs> doing the cooking. You know, so it
1: wasn't, yeah. So when you say potluck, I'm like, not all of us brought it, but we definitely ate
2: well. In my experience, there's no meal quite like a good Baptist meal. Like you put Baptist ladies in charge of that, you're going to eat well. And I have this hysterical memory of when I was, I was already a minister and these two very nicely dressed ladies knocked on my door on a, I don't know, it was just a random day. And I was cooking, and they introduced themselves. They're from the local Baptist church, and they were just inviting people to come to church. I mean, it was super sweet, super nice. And I just looked at them, and I smiled, and I said, you know, it's very gracious. I was like, I'm a minister, so I'm pretty obligated on Sunday mornings. (laughs) And they were clearly taken aback. Like, they, you know, they had obviously never met a female minister. Mm -hmm. And I was so impressed with them because they really held themselves with grace. And they said, oh, you need to come on Sunday night because you need a break from all of that. They're like you just need to come and get fed by us, and I thought that was very gracious Aww. and very sweet. And I said, "Oh, thank you. I will keep that in mind." And they said, "Whatever you're cooking smells good." And I thought, I just got the approval from the Baptist ladies about what I'm cooking. Like I'm in. I'm in. Whatever this is. <laughs> so it's a it's a great that memory. Awesome.
1: That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, the food. I mean, I love food in general, and when I began studying. Eastern medicine and getting to learn like the energetics of food from that perspective was like, and I remember there were several times I'm going, that's what I was feeling. You can like totally feel the difference. And I encourage like just carve out one day that you go and you choose your produce and you can totally feel the energy coming off of the food. You can feel like Is this a type of farm where there are really like people really feeling, toiling the soil and doing all that stuff? Or is it more mechanical where it's a lot colder? You can feel it. And then when you're cooking, you can totally taste the difference. And the whole
2: energy is just different.
1: And that's what I think is what it was when you're at church and you'd
2: have those dinners.
1: You know, it was all of that.
2: (laughs) And everyone needs a Baptist friend who can tell you if you're on track with your cooking or not. (laughs) They know. The Baptist (laughs) ladies know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, So as entrepreneurs, we know that we have to bring in money to sustain our business, but sometimes beliefs around money can get in our way. Have your spiritual or religious beliefs ever influenced the way you think or feel about money and abundance?
1: Yeah. And I've been actually exploring this whole thing for a while now. I'll sit there and I'll go, okay, what is it that I need to unpack here? There are some things uh, as far as greed, thinking that if you were the one that was making a lot of money, people just kind of come to you and you're expected to give specifically to them. That's something that I've been working on, like in transmuting. Whereas now I look at it as, oh, that's an option of where it is that I could allocate funds to. Then there's kind of like the pauper type of thing where, not making too much money is more the proper thing cuz you're offering service. It's like, well, it's of service, so it's free. Like you're offering that for free cuz you're you're doing your thing, blessing people. So it's like, yes, I am blessing others, am I getting though what I need? And then it's this thought process of abundance, realizing it's more than money. It's a lot of other things. Another thing that I'm actually working on applying more diligently is I didn't understand tithing when I was younger. Like nobody explained it. Now I've learned more about it. And that's something that I'm building into and growing higher in my business is that sense of tithing in giving. So I'm finding other ways creatively that I can give, even if it may not be like a cash donation, you know, people picking on if someone in church just. Dressed nicely, or they drove a car and then they're picking on, they only give this much, even though they're driving that nice car. They live somewhere else. And as an adult now, I'm like, what does it matter? Like, you really don't know what happened. (laughs) Like, you, you have no idea. They could have inherited whatever it is. They probably are upside down in payments. You have no idea what's going on. So I practice as much as I can non judgment. I just, I don't know. And I'd much rather not be in their wallet. (laughs) Just as much as I don't want anyone in my wallet.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's such a good practice in general. And it's the same when we're talking to our clients. If we preempt what they can or can't afford, we're actually in their wallets. and That's not the place for us to be. Yeah, exactly. I want to go back to something you said earlier, too, which I found very intriguing, that sometimes you catch yourself giving yourself like capping how much you can earn or your cap, you're telling abundance, I only need this much rather than receiving all of it. And I found myself doing that too. Like we all have a limit that we don't want to go below. Like I absolutely need this much per month. But then a lot of us have an invisible ceiling too. So can you talk a little bit about what you've done to break through that glass ceiling? So I
1: had an experience in a program and it was a financial program. And I love what she did because it helped me. It's like when people go in there, like you have this arbitrary number, right? They want $10,000 months or they want $100,000 months. And it's like, well, what does that really mean? Right. And what she asked us to do was take whatever it is that's right now and put it into the software as line items and to create names, like get crazy, imagine it what the names would be for these different accounts or different categories. So I started doing that where I don't see it as a ceiling. I don't see it as a floor either. It's just more of this is what I'm desiring to bring in. And now I will say, though, the one thing that I do struggle with a little bit is that if it's in this financial system, I do put like a little note somewhere (laughs) saying, it's either going to come as cash or some other way. <laughs> like, like <Right. laughs> putting that out there because I know that it's possible, right? Like, I could sure say, yeah, I want to go to Bali, and I might put in that line, oh, this will be a a five thousand dollar trip, you know. Uh, this and or other open to other ways.
2: Yeah, we don't need to boss the universe around and how and the steps on how to get there. Right. So instead, I just look at
1: it and see it as. These are my line items of desires.
2: Line item of desire is my new phrase. So thank you so much for that. That's brilliant. I know listeners are going to start using that in their businesses too. So Denizia, tell us just a little bit about your business, what you do and how you got started. Yeah.
1: So I went from event management, going into fundraising, then going into studying Eastern medicine. And all of it like comes together in what you see now, which is that I really create these playful and practical spaces for women. Most of them actually are executives, um, entrepreneurs, or they are in leadership in some way where they may be experiencing something, usually on the physical level with any symptoms or conditions. And. She's at this point where she's like, I just need some guidance and some insight because I know there's more to this. I know that there's more behind it. So I get to take her on these journeys. What is really involved in your holistic health? And when I use holistic health, it's tapping into the environment, the spiritual, the emotional, the mental and the physical. It's seeing that all of those are taking place and they are all doing things at the same time. And oftentimes we get the physical to call our attention. So this is where it is that I can almost offer that insight and that guidance. And how is it that you can begin to see that those are messages for you that end up actually playing a role into your soul's evolution, seeing where there could be big shifts and changes for you, lessons for you. I loved studying extreme medicine and I still do in so many different ways. But I will say that that was my first time really going in where I saw that there was a practice of medicine that saw the whole person, that saw like your upbringing, what your birth was like, what was going on with your parents before you were even conceived and how that plays a role into what we see today.
2: For our listeners that may not know, tell us just a little bit about what Oriental or Eastern medicine is, what functional medicine is. And should I be using the word Oriental or Eastern or either or? So, okay, I
1: do want to address that. So there's different camps of people that do say Oriental medicine. Some don't like it. And then others are it's Eastern medicine. I personally, in my state, doctor of Oriental medicine. So that's what I go by and comes from the Orient. No way am I trying to be persecutory or anything like that towards the people from the Orient. So that's the way that I'm using it.
2: Yeah. So we're just recognizing that sometimes Oriental has been used as a slur.
1: Yes, exactly. Or with racist overtones,
2: um, but this is Oriental medicine that has its own history.
1: Yes. And um, especially linking it to geography. Um, so sometimes I'll flip back and forth just because it comes out that way. There's several types of modalities of medicine that's practiced over there, whether um, it's going to be coming from like Korea or from India or from China or from Japan. So I use different modalities from that area. Some strictly practice Chinese medicine. And so that's why you might hear them say Chinese medicine. Some people think acupuncture and acupuncture is one modality of practicing the medicine. Other pieces of the medicine include food therapies. It includes herbal medicine. First and foremost actually is meditation. Feng shui, which is the energy of your spaces in your environment. One other pillar is body work. So there's so many lineages of body work of simply intentionally adjusting and moving the body with different um, ways that you're massaging different forms of touch in order to reposition the channels for them to flow well and with the flow then the body can heal itself in the western side it's circulation everybody needs to get their circulation up and then really it's the, it's similar it's the chi flow the life force is chi and then the blood and so when you're using the energetics with eastern medicine everything is built around how can we continue the flow the smooth flow of chi and blood and the, the notion is that whatever it is that we can do to continue that flow, then the body can heal itself. So functional medicine also does take a look at the whole person. It's looking at their lifestyle, very similar to Eastern medicine, right? Like how much are they moving? How much are they not moving? Uh, what kind of job are they and What's the environment like at the job? Or what's the environment like at
2: home? So... What does it look like for you to incorporate spirituality into your business? You know, if I'm a patient of yours or a client of yours or in a group and I show up, what is it that I can expect to experience?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> you're going to experience something that's going to be, we got to
2: get to know you first, right?
1: <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> a little, get to know you a little bit more on the front end. And really, it involves going through some playful activities, designed to literally get you to see yourself from a different perspective. As I get to know you a little bit more as from a baseline, things just come up. Like for some, a spiritual practice might be going literally to a park and there might be a specific tree and you're with that tree, just sitting there underneath the tree. Um, Or a simple practice might be A different type of meditation and not necessarily silent meditation. It could be guided. Sometimes I've found myself even recording special ones for people or for groups that they're using with an intention. Then creativity and expression of creativity actually, to me, is a huge spiritual practice that sometimes can be overlooked. I might feel out with the energy centers of the chakras, it might be astrology that comes into play. And the reason why I say might be is because my first step is I needed to get to know you a little bit more because I do want to see where she's at.
2: It sounds as though Denicia incorporates a lot of what we would call spiritual practices into her business and how she works with clients. And while she's shifted away from traditional church life, she's still factoring Jesus into her journey. I can completely resonate with this, even though I went in a slightly different direction. In my own spiritual journey, I tried to leave the church several times, but the divine kept on calling me back. Ultimately, I was led to a group, though imperfect, was perfect for me. Yet at the same time that I was on this journey, I was also studying meditation, chakras, and energy. The two coexisted for a long time, until I began to see that they're not separate. My experience of Christ is integrally tied to my experience of learning about energy. All of this is tied to my business of serving others. Like Denisia, I incorporate all sorts of practices into my own spiritual life and into my business of serving others. Whether it is chakra healing, oracle cards, energy work, past lives, or astrology, it's all part of what I have discovered is the universal Christ energy. Whether you're experiencing that at church or on your own or in another kind of community, it's all energy. I trust
1: and know that God's got a plan for me, and it all may not be clear right now, but I am to keep going. And I've seen it happen. It's understanding, this is why I also tend to refer to things as phases and to refer to it as a phase actually makes it a little bit more comfortable for me when it does feel uncomfortable um because it's like yeah this is happening right now but i know that this is it's in this phase and just like the natural cycles of the sun rising and the sun setting things being birthed living and then dying like things are going to keep changing and so it's understanding that right now this is what is happening i can stand on this in faith that it's all going to work out in its proper timing and I just try my best to let go of what that timing may be. Meditating is very helpful because the main thing with meditation that I think many people don't understand too is that it really is more of union, like union with the self. Your time with spirit. Like that's all it really is. And so while there are different styles of meditation. I introduce it as what fits. Sometimes even for myself, silent is the way to go. But then guess what? There's other times where I need to move. And so more of a moving meditation is where I'm really focused and concentrating on, say, walking, and I'm just feeling at all the points in the bottom of my feet. I'm really absorbing where I'm at on this walk. Like, that's meditative. Sometimes it's cooking. Like I can get lost in cooking. Nothing is playing. It's just me, food, and spirit. And sometimes it's shower, like more of a water meditation. Um, So there's so many different types and ways that I can be with self and I can be with spirit. And I just charge myself with, okay, just go there, do whatever feels good for right now. And know that that is the way that I'm being communicated to as well. So I feel like the easier, the easier that I implement something that's going to come is easy for me to go into that state, then the faster it is that I can receive communication slash oh, direction. That's a,
2: oh, that's a great way to put it. And I'll add a little two cents about meditation. So for those listeners who may find it hard to meditate, rest assured, everyone does. It literally does not come naturally except to, I think, like 0.5% of the population. Everyone finds it difficult to meditate, especially when first starting out. But it's the, and the the most common thing I hear is, well, my mind wanders too much, but that's meditation. It's noticing that our mind wanders. That's like when we notice it, congratulations, you've meditated. That's actually success. And pretty much, I I mean, every single day I think, do I really have to meditate today? Yeah, I really have to do it today. <laughs> I mean, like every day I try to find a way out of it. <laughs> And then bring myself back and just do it anyway. And life is better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I go through the same thing. That's why I'm laughing so hard. Because I'm like, do I have to sit here? And then I'm like, no. Okay. So you feel like you want to go walk, right? You're like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: and pretty much every day I'm like, maybe TV counts. No, TV doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> now I have to actually meditate. <laughs> and maybe. just a little bit goes such a long way. Talking about meditation and all the different Eastern practices that Denicia implements into her business got me thinking about my own kind of expensive practices as a Christian minister and as a scholar. When I was serving in a church, I was definitely doing my own outside-the-box spiritual stuff in my personal life. When I came to church on a Sunday morning, I was there to serve the congregation, not necessarily talk about all of my woo-woo stuff. I didn't hide it, but it didn't exactly make it into my sermons either likewise in the scholarly world we may study how ancient people thought about energy but that's as far as it goes we're not really bringing personal practices into our scholarship for the most part still those two parts of me were pretty satisfied and i didn't feel a conflict until i decided to go into business for myself i knew that the day i hit publish on a new website and facebook group that i'd be potentially jeopardizing ever serving in a church again or being credible in academic circles. In fact, I was pretty terrified. I also knew that I was in for some serious expansion. There's nothing like entrepreneurship to kick your butt and to expand your spirit. But when I showed up for that authentic place, the magic did happen. Even though all these pieces of me were not out of alignment, they weren't nearly as integrated as they could have been. And entrepreneurship is what helped me integrate all of these different parts of myself into unity. And contrary to my fears, I still preach on occasion and I still publish academic papers. In fact, many of my colleagues are not only curious, but highly supportive of my work. I showed up and the universe supported me. I had a feeling, given Denicia's work, that she's had similar experiences and challenges. So I asked her about it.
1: I'm practicing Eastern medicine in a predominantly Western medicine area. It was really hard for me to communicate what the medicine could do without getting too much into like chi, yin and yang and all of that stuff. Right. So it took a while. And even now I still um, I still grapple with, OK, how am I going to introduce this? and What can I say that'll help communicate these different elements that may be foreign to people and to do it in a way that it's not necessarily religiously associated because that is something that's pushed back on, right? I can't separate them out. I tried to in the beginning of my business, I actually did because I wanted to talk about it, but then certain people, once again, value of who's in your circle, just kind of didn't really think that it belonged and was like, you know, you're practicing medicine. Why would you be, you know, kind of adding that stuff in? So I tried very hard, even in my marketing and whatnot, to not even mention it. But then once she got in the door, it naturally would come in because it can't be separated. And so after that, I just, I made a promise, like, I have to talk about it. And that's just the way it's going to be. So because in the marketing, that is what it's doing. It's attracting those people that Do you want to come to you for support, right? So I feel like I have to lay it all out because otherwise you're going to be blindsided if you didn't jive with me. And so I feel like I had to start even talking about it before they came into my sphere because they can't be separated. If you even touch one of those aspects, you're actually changing the others. So when I say that thing is, Some are more comfortable going in, say, on the mental side. So that's just where she is more naturally. Um, Some are more amenable to coming in on the emotional or the physical. And I'm totally okay with that. I see it as I'm meeting you where you're at and what you're open to at that moment, because I know that even if we did touch the physical, it's going to end up touching the mental, the emotional and the spiritual anyway. So I think about it i pretty much was like, all right, well, then you're going to have to really take charge in your marketing and, and starting to put those elements in the marketing itself. And so I started doing that. And I will admit, I did not go full on out there because there was that fear. I'm talking about trying to add in all these spiritual aspects and these other tools. There were parts of me that was like, will that deter? Well, that cut off people from referring people to me and, and things like that. So I went through all of that mental thing. I started talking about it, pitched it and like did a workshop for a group of veterinarians. And that's exactly what she wanted. And I'm like, heck, yeah, business is open to spirituality. Like you can totally do it and it's fine. Um,
2: so it's that constant, like staying true to myself. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, what I really heard was that when you stepped into your full authenticity, the business world responded to you in a positive way. You were attracting people that jive with you and your energy. So you refer to your business as a mission, like a calling. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What made you feel like it was a mission or a calling? Yeah, I didn't think that it was
1: um, until I started seeing a a pattern um, of what was happening. And um, I just kept seeing that pattern with different, different people. They were really finding meaning for themselves. They were really finding um, purpose for themselves. And when I started collecting testimonials, I saw that that was repeated person to person. And because of them discovering this about themselves, it was changing their relationship within their families, within business. Also, it was like ding, 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 ding. Wow, you really can change the world literally by helping these women and supporting these women. And the fact that it would ripple effect into all these other people, then now they're going to start feeling better about themselves. Now customers are being treated better. Teammates are being treated better. There's more love and compassion that's all infused. It just ripples and ripples and ripples out.
2: You know, it's interesting because I've done a lot of research on the ancient Greek origins of the word calling, especially the way Paul uses it in the New Testament. And so often we restrict that word to people who are in like professional ministry. And I think that's just too bad. That's, that's really a deficit. So I love that you use those words for yourself because I think we all have you know, different callings. Some people have a calling to be a parent. Some people have a calling to be single. Some people have a calling to be in the kind of you know, medicine and soul space that you're in. Some people have callings to be an attorney. There's just so many different kinds, and they're all authentic, and they're all joyous. And like you said, when they are helping spread this ripple effect, then we're doing it right. And I think it changes the questions that we ask about our business. So when I acknowledge what my calling is, then I'm focused on the person in front of me, and I'm focused on that ripple effect. The questions that we start to ask are about the person that we're serving because we know without a doubt that that's who we're called to serve. And some callings are lifelong, and then some are for a season. Yes. And that's okay. We can have callings (laughs) that are short-term. We have callings that are (laughs) long-term. Yes. Fair warning to everyone. Before you say yes to your calling, be aware that it may require things of you. They're going to be things that may be difficult, but that's okay because they're going to help you be more authentically you.
1: Oh, yes, definitely.
2: It's kind of like the entrepreneurial journey, right? (laughs) Yes, all part of it. So before we wrap up, Denicia, do you have any advice you'd like to share with our listeners? I will say that (laughs) I'm just going to go with my phrase, right? Like just
1: really believing that you are whole and you are complete and you're perfect and actually really saying it as I am. I am whole. I am complete. I am perfect. There is a certain resonance and tone in just saying I am. And Dr. Braden actually studied that. And so that is why I don't even use the contraction because I feel like, no, I'm not going to shorten myself. That extra I am is worth it.
2: That is lovely. And I think we can all walk around with a little more perfection in our lives and the our ripple effects will grow and grow. Thank you so much, Denicia, Dr. Denicia, for being here. What is the best way for people to reach you and to find you?
1: Yeah, best way would be joindenicia.com. So join and then D-E-N-I-C-E-A.com. Or on LinkedIn, that's my usual hangout spot. It's there too. (laughs) Perfect.
2: I'm Katie Valentine, and you've been listening to Soul Savvy Business. Soul Savvy Business is a part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes Just Between Coaches and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Melissa Deal and Cynthia. Melissa assembled the episode. Danny Eney is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To make sure you don't miss any great episodes coming up on Soul Savvy Business, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like the show, please give us a starred review, and it doesn't hurt to write a comment too. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we will see you next time.